Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast, where we believe in going far by going together. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Empowerful Podcast. I'm Brian Pape. And I'm Rebecca Pape. And on this episode, we sat down with Maurice Harris. Oh, Maurice is my new favorite human being. He's great. He is a Los Angeles-based artist who's best known as the visionary behind Bloom and Plume, a bespoke floral design studio located in Echo Park. He's also the founder of Bloom and Plume Coffee as well, and they're next door to one another. Um, he has worked with some huge clients, including Louis Vuitton, The Row, Goop, Dior, Nike, Gucci, Warby Parker, Dolce & Gabbana, Need I Go On? Beyonce. He does talk about his work with Beyonce. Uh, he also is on TV. You may have seen him on Centerpiece um, on Quibi and or Full Bloom um, on HBO Max. He is just the most incredible personality and creative. And we were lucky enough to, to chat with him for close to two hours. Yeah, we were able to sit down and, and enjoy a conversation on many different topics uh, from starting a business to being creative to how to kind of get in your flow to kind of embracing 2020. Uh, such a fun and insightful and great conversation. I It is long. It is two hours. I would encourage you to listen to the whole thing, though. Well, and the cherry on the top is that we uh, are pursuing a collaboration together. It is. And it's beautiful. You're going to want to listen to this one, uh, take a seat or get ready for your walk or I don't even know what. Is anybody commuting anymore in a I don't car? Know. Two hour walks though. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Maurice, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am very grateful to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What? 2021 is yeah, over. What do you make of the new year so far? We're like two weeks in. Um, I mean, it hasn't disappointed in terms of like <laughs> the world is crazy still. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's going to be a banger, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. People were so interested in getting rid of 2020. And for me, I remember 2019 being pretty tough for me. And really wanting to get rid of 2019, like very badly. Hmm. And then 2020 happened, and I was like, oh, I just think I need to embrace this year and not try to get rid of it because I feel mm. like it's only gonna get more insane if I don't get comfortable with the uncomfortable. So, Who um, said? I, yeah, I feel like the year is getting off started as I expected. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be a pretty exciting year. I turned 40 this year, so hey, uh, no that's way. very exciting. That is. My niece is was born on 1-11-2011, so she just turned 10. That's so I feel cool. like that's also like a significant like, yeah. kind of milestone. Um, so I don't know. I'm just trying to like look at my little baby wins yeah. and take that as a sign of what my future has to hold. I think um, we're doing an amazing collaboration. Um, we're very close to getting a season two of um, Full Bloom, the flower competition show where I'm a judge on. Yes. Um, there's a couple of other cool, like, 
collaborations that we're doing um, on the flower side of the business. So I feel like there are some things a brewing. (laughs) 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 And um, I think it's going to be pretty delicious. It sounds like 2019 prepped you for 2020 almost. What can you paint some broad strokes for what happened in 2019? Well, I would tell you that like um, probably for the last eight or nine years, eight years, I think I've been in therapy and um, it's been a very, very significant part of my life um, in terms of um, growth and spiritual growth and inner work and really like accepting and loving the things that I think are trash about myself. Um, And 2019 challenge a lot of those things and really made me have to really start to look at those things um, in a way where um, I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. And so when 2020 came and I was like, whoo, we're off to a great start. I have two shows coming out. Like I'm about to like get it started. Boop, 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 boop. I'm like ready. Yeah. And then it was just like, boom, crash. No. Like, Oh, okay. So um, I felt like 2019 prepared me for rest, for um, for being able to reflect in uh, um, in a way that I've never really given myself the opportunity to do. Um, anyways, 2019. Um, basically, my whole working career, I started. I started working when I was 17, I believe, um, my senior year in high school. I've never taken a break as an adult, um, truly. Like every vacation that I've been on, I think you guys probably can relate to this. Um, No matter where you go in the world, like your mind is always Mm. kind of on your business. Like your mind is always thinking about, oh, I love the way they serve coffee here. Oh my God, I love the way that it feels when I walk into this space. How could I adapt this to like what I do? Oh my God, the way this road feels. Like I'm always thinking about work and I'm always thinking about how to adapt that to an experience that I want to recreate in my own business or whatever. Um, and how I could do something better, like the rest that I'm getting, I'm thinking about the recharging so that I can come back stronger and better for my business. Like where when Corona first hit, it was the first time where it is not my fault that I can't make payroll. It is not my fault that like nobody is shopping in my stores. It is not my fault that everything is getting canceled. Like this literally has nothing to do with me at all. Mm-hmm. That like I gave myself like a month to just stop. Mm. To literally just stop. I will say the caveat of how I was able to do that was I made a little bit of extra cash where I thought it was going to um, launch me into a different kind of bracket with like my show, with my two shows coming out. Like I thought things were going to be happening differently, but then all business stopped on my businesses. So I was able to supplement like staying alive and not like losing my house and all of that kind of stuff or my apartment and all that kind of stuff. So 
it was like this weird um, blessing that I didn't know that I needed and how I needed it. So, um, yeah. To uh, to like borrow to borrow a term that uh, I've heard you use before, Sister Rona. Uh, yes. Sister Rona, she. I love that you personify. Can it. we just talk about her for a second? Yeah, let's talk about her. Uh, she really heightened, I think, for all of us the reality that there's so much that falls outside of our control. Yeah, I mean, I think that was like one of the number one, that is the number one lesson that I got. I think I already kind of knew that we can't really control very much of anything, but um, letting go of the control that I try to have over not being able to control everything yeah. <laughs> really just all blew up, right? That like, it was just like, oh no, girl, you literally can't do anything and you can't control any of the outcomes. And in fact, it might be better that way for you, like mm -hmm. to let go and let things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Because I think as a creative, as a business owner, as a person with very specific tastes, um, I'm really trying to overly curate every experience that people have when they interact with me or something that mm. is an offspring of me. And I think while that can be really beautiful, it can also be um, stifling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't allow for things to um, become what they're supposed to become. You know, it's almost like the the mom who micromanages their star child and doesn't let them just create in a way that makes sense for them they're just like no you have to do it this way and you yeah. need to discipline here and some of that stuff is good but like where's the balance mm -hmm. yeah the serendipity of life or the nuances of just discover i i totally feel i'm picking up what you're putting now because i used to do the same thing where it was like very like very controlling about all trying to control all the outcomes and then as soon as you take a step back and these random things happen and you meet these people that you never would have met or interacted with if you try to control the outcome then happen and then there's this like serendipity of the conversation and even so much when when you have a meeting or whatever else it's important to have some structure for sure but now i've learned to embrace the like randomness so to speak of meetings or life or trade shows or whatever it is that we're doing that that randomness even like meal planning i'm like i don't know what we're gonna make and just open up the fridge and you just make something versus having every single meal planned for every single day of every single week yeah and i think there's something there is something really powerful about the blending of both of those things right so it's like if you know that like let's take your meal prep example if you know that like you're a chicken person or you're a vegan person or you're a, you know like you need to have those things in your kitchen and you know that like mm, carrots are my jam. So I always keep carrots, celery and beets in my refrigerator because yeah. they make me really happy. And I know that I can make this tabbouleh with this and I can do this and this and this. And you kind of have it pretty dialed in, but then you give yourself a little room to be like, ooh, actually I want to use the mushrooms today. And let's like, yeah. like let's play around with that. And I think uh, I actually learned this lesson early on which when I went to college, I went to Otis College of Art and Design and I went for fashion design. I went two years of junior college and then I did four years at Otis. 
And um, I did two years of junior college so that I could get my art portfolio, number one. And number two, so that I could um, learn the basics of how to sew, how to drape, how to pattern draft. So that then when I got into the fashion program, getting a bachelor's degree in fashion, which is a little nutty, um, <laughs> I would really be able to dig deep into my craft and really understand how to um, refine my creative eye and my point of view. And then I got to Otis and I got into the fashion program and it did not deliver what I, I'm throwing up air quotes, had um, planned for this program to do for me because I'm trying to overly control this outcome, right? And then when I freed myself and I transferred to fine art, which was just like, well, how are you ever going to get a fashion job as a designer, like with a fine art degree? That's just not how that works. It opened myself up to doing things differently. I ended up doing my senior thesis with my best friend, um, Sari, and um, things that came out of both of our brains together was beyond what I could have done on my own. And so I learned very early that like, yes, I had set up a path, but you have to be able to flow with the wind because that's where the magic is. Yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, 15 years later, it's like people will always be like, oh my God, you guys' merch is really, really good. Like, wow, I love the sweatshirts that you guys do. I love the graphics. It's like so on point. And it's like, little do people know like i actually have a background in fashion and it's like <laughs> one of my major interests that like full circle have informed this thing that i thought i was letting go of and i wasn't ever going to do again so i think it's nice to have these um foundational things but then you you gotta let it go and let it happen and i think to bring it full circle sister rona like has forced people in a way that we have never done before because capitalism in America does not allow anybody to take a break. You are always thinking mm. about how you're going to make your next dollar, that there is no room for creativity. There is no room to breathe. There is no room to explore in a new and nuanced way that actually is a little bit more holistic. My most magical ideas come out of just like random things. Yeah. Um, and if we don't, but because it's not systematic, it, it, it gets stifled. Totally. Oh my gosh. That's so, like, that's so accurate. Like there, my best ideas happen, whether I'm like in the shower, on a walk, on a hike, they're never like, Brian, go into this room for an hour and innovate. Like it, do, it doesn't happen that way. It happens. No, randomly. Yeah. You're, you like go to a cafe and you think about this and what about, what, oh, what if I change the the tolerance on the lid to hear to accommodate for whatever. And it's, it's, uh, it's that nuance and randomness that kind of allows for that creativity. And to your point, that's so fascinating because looking back at 2020, we launched the air project, which we're incorporating with, with you all, uh, with bloom and plume and, and you and your art and the, and the greatness of bloom and plume came out of sister Rona. We, <laughs> we launched the air project, which is artists in residence, uh, with Kyler Martz, a, a tattoo artist, in March because we literally had nothing else to do. Like everything was shut down and forced us to get creative. And we honestly, I'm embarrassed to say this, we probably never would have come up with the Air Project without it. Yeah. And it was, it's been our most successful LTO 
ever. Uh, limited time offer ever. Yeah. 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 And I mean, but like, that's not embarrassing because I think that like, that's how creativity works. That's how like, we're all bred to be like, again, capitalism. And it's this tricky balance because I've had a creative business for 10 years and capitalism doesn't care about my creativity. It's like, does it have a bottom line? Does it make money or does it not? And so to like, take the calculated risk of being like, uh, this feels creative and fun. Let's just try it versus like, mm, I can't see the ROI return on investment. So I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> and I think that like what sister Rona did was like forced us into a corner where like all you can do is rely on your creativity because all of the systems are thrown out the window because we can't rely on them because they don't work the same way that they were working beforehand. Yeah. And I think that's like where magic happens. I mean, I, ever since I've got, I started my business, the flower business, I take a calculated risk every year and um, none of them ever make sense. Some of them work and some of them don't, totally. but like we're still here and we're still standing. Um, I heard somebody say once that, a successful business is just a business that has been able to afford to fail the most. Mm, totally. So it's not because this person knew what they were doing all the way through. They just had the bandwidth and the runway to be able to figure it out all along the way. Yep. And I think that like, you know, like I was working out of my house forever. And then I was just like, mm, this isn't working. I can't really <laughs> afford a studio, but like I, I need one. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'll just do it. Yeah. Or mm, I need an assistant. Like, I can't do all this work by myself. I can't afford one, but like, I think I need this. I'm just going to like try a person out, like, you know, three times a week. Next thing I know, this person is following me everywhere because the work was <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, you freed yourself um, up. Yeah, like, even my, like, I was like, I really need an assistant. Like, I don't answer emails. I don't even know how to, like, like understanding and recognizing like my shortcomings. And I was really embarrassed about that because I should be good at all of these different things. I run a business, I do this, I do that. And I'm like, I don't read emails. I don't open them. I hate them. Like, <laughs> and it's not that I hate them. It's just like, they give me anxiety because they need official, they feel so official and they feel like they need official responses. And unless I'm in that place in that zone, I can't do that. But then I'm like, and then once I look at it and I forget about it, then it's like, oh, I missed that opportunity. So just having a person that manages my inbox has created so many more opportunities. And I couldn't afford this person when I first brought them on. But now I could not actually not afford having them there. Totally. And I think it's recognizing those things. And sometimes it takes being forced and pushed in a corner to like step outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When was the last time you were pushed into a corner? Um, I feel like it happens like almost every day, but um, I would say whew, one of the more significant ones I'll say is um, when I almost lost my business uh, because I was, um, we had a couple really big jobs and we were doing like a bunch of really cool things. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm the man. And like, we finally made it. And 
it, it's kind of a trip how your ego, like, I actually understand crazy capitalists and I understand people that like feel like they're in scarcity, even though they have millions or billions of dollars because your ego just clicks in so quickly. You didn't even realize it took off. And by the time you see it, like, unless it goes away, you'll never actually see that that's what's happening. And that happened to me. I got caught up. I thought I was rich. I was like buying art. I was like hiring all these people. I was like doing all these things and traveling and being like, whatever. And not realizing, girl, you got to pay tax on all that money. And, <laughs> and like the government doesn't care that like you're uh, a black gay business that is not set up to win and you should have more advantages because you're the one that like is barely making it and barely able to keep the lights on whatever blah 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 literally nobody cares it's like you still got to pay your 35 percent. you still got to pay your sales tax you still got to do all the things <laughs> and um whether you think morally that's right or wrong it doesn't matter and so i was in new york sitting on my friend's sofa like doing my emails or whatever and uh trying to take a break and one of my good friends, who's still my good friend, was running my studio. And he was just like, Maurice, you have to fire all of us. You don't have any more money. All the credit cards are maxed. Nothing is going through. And um, I had to, like, literally look at myself that I had created this mess. And I couldn't blame it on the economy. I couldn't blame it on you know, nobody's hiring us. I couldn't blame it on um, the caliber of work that we were doing. It literally was my poor choices. And so to have to literally sit in your own, like if you had a dirty diaper and you couldn't <laughs> change it for like a week, it was pretty intense to like have to go to the flower market with that dirty diaper on. You smell horrible, right? And you're like, hey, I need your help. And everybody's like, you stink. <laughs> like, <get away. laughs> but like people also like know your heart. And like, so like for me, it was like having to humble myself and ask for help mm. um, in a way where I felt like I had to do everything myself and be super independent and had to only rely on myself. But like when you make a major mistake like that and having to look at all my employees and literally laying people off because I failed them um and then also not overly beating myself up about those things because who taught me how to run a business i just fell into it mm. i don't know what i'm doing um theoretically i kind of do but like or intuitively i do but like there are a lot of crazy practical things to running a business that i'm just like wait what <laughs> <Ugh>. so <laughs> You know, it caught up to me. Yeah. And it made me have to, like, look at things in a whole different way. And I had to go back to, like, literally making arrangements by myself and having one guy with me follow me around everywhere again. Mm. And that was one of the most beautiful, one of the most humbling, one of the most insane experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it obviously put your ego back in check. And I think every business owner founder visionary has a relationship with their ego. I mean, you yeah, have you to wrestle with, with it. Yeah, you spar with it like daily. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, well, the thing that's tricky about it is you need ego mm. to be able to step out and like lead and be charismatic and build a confidence that you can do something that's going to enhance the world or change the blah, blah, yeah. blah. But then like you have to be humble enough to recognize that you can't do that single-handedly or that there are other ways to do that and you're not the end-all be-all in this space i mean it's just that's it yeah there's oh, a, there's so wild yeah and horrible <laughs> it's two two sides of the same coin there's that balance of yeah like you said knowing you have to have enough ego to know that you're special and you're creating something different and unique and marketable and have confidence in that and then you also have to be able to step back and realize in the context of time, the time continuum, especially in like thousands of years and hundreds of thousands of years of time, that you're nothing. Like you're, <laughs> at, you're like you're not even dust on a desk. Like <laughs> you, you think about yeah. how long the world's been around. The world does not care about what I'm doing right now today. Uh, Literally, the way that I deal with that personally is I just think about everybody's bathroom practices as I'm looking at them. <laughs> Everybody poops. Because, you know what I mean? Because it's like, if I'm like meeting Beyonce for the first time or whatever, it's like, how do you even stand in this person's presence? Like, you know, like, why am I here? And I'm like, oh, well, we're all the same people. We all wake up in the morning, a hot mess. We all have to go to the bathroom. We all like, Gotta get that mouthwash going, you know, because our breath smells like death. And you and you have and you have worked with Beyonce, so that's not hypothetical. Yeah, no, that is not a hypothetical. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's it's that thing of like we're all we're all human. We're all going through the same thing. That like that's how I have to constantly check Mm. myself and check where I'm at and who I'm with. Like you know. Totally. Um, to keep myself humble. Yeah. How do you guys do that? How do you guys practice staying? I'd echo. I actually like. I, I always think that everybody poops, um, and that's also because we have two kids who have a book, and it says everybody poops. Because uh, you have to teach your kids that everybody poops. All living, you know, mammals poop. Um, <laughs> everybody has to deal with it. Uh, so that's part of it. But then it also then you meet people who are like you reflect on your own life and you're like, okay, yeah, I've got to like do this thing. And I got kids, you know, and then you meet somebody else who has like twice as many kids and the business is five times bigger than yours. And you're like, how do you do this? You know what I mean? Um, but knowing that everybody has 24 hours in a day, I think is, uh, is a good way to remember, you know, that we're all like, we're all humans. We all have to deal with the same thing for the most part, obviously, you know, there's, there's different things we're all dealing with. Um, I, the part of my, ego I guess that I struggle with and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman but I lack in self-confidence and so how do you get over or through the the self-doubt and because of what we've created together Brian's certainly the leader of the vision that we have for Mir but I I almost don't have a choice but in the in in recent years I've I've discovered that um Brian can either drag me along or I can stand on my own two feet and we can walk side by side. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a journey, but, but generally speaking, I don't think my ego has ever 
um, led the way for me. I'm always, I'm always wrestling with it and, and trying to, I don't know, just self-talk myself into believing that I can do this, that I actually can lead, you know? Well, you know, what's interesting about you saying that is like, I, I actually relate to that because in many ways I, I feel similar. I just never let it stop me because I feel like similarly, I don't have a choice. So it's like, are you just going to like not do it? Or like, are you going to do it? Like, yeah. What are you like? And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to be homeless. I'm not going to be like, um, so I guess I better show up and get some work done. Like, or like, I better do this thing to take it to the next level. Um, one of my friends was uh, photographing me and she was talking about how she like is kind of freaked out by nudity. And like, if you ever look at my Instagram, I'm like always naked on my Instagram <laughs> and, um, and flowers. And I was like, oh, it's so funny you say that because me too. I'm also very uncomfortable with nudity and I'm uncomfortable with my body. I don't necessarily love it or like it, but it's part of my way of confronting that and, and, and using it as a tool to like get out of my own way, mm -hmm. right? Like where it's just like, well, I can't let this stop me from doing what I need to do. I'm going to just do it um and i don't know there's just something that clicks inside of me that's like ah oh, shit here we go sorry oh shoot here we go like <laughs> um that i'm like Ugh, i'm so uncomfortable but it has to get done and that's how i feel like i i treat every aspect of my business this is uncomfortable but it has to get done yeah um well, there's you, no way forward than going through it, right? Yeah. And you touched on that earlier when you said something about leaning into the, the discomfort until it becomes comfortable. That's exactly what you're doing there. Yeah. 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 I mean, even with this podcast, I used to be terrified to record. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's scary. You want to be prepared. You want to sound smart. Actually, yeah, you, you always, you're way more of a preparer than me. Yeah. You want to, yeah. you know, you want to have good conversation and pull out the, the, parts that everybody wants to hear about and um but now i'm just here and excited <laughs> still but, prepared you know, also, but, yeah. but what i love about that what i love about that comment is you know i used to be really insecure about my arrangements i used to be really insecure about like my point of view and there's something about like um uh validation um like that's another one of those double-edged sword ideas mm -hmm. there's something about validation that helps us to be more confident right so it's like if a hundred people are telling me that i'm good at this thing maybe i'm good at this thing you know or if like nobody has said god rebecca's really dumb like <laughs> just like get off of that podcast but it's like then you're like oh i guess i must be doing okay i must be prepared or people are like wow you asked really good questions like like there's something that happens that then you're able to ease down and like be present and be yourself mm -hmm. and show up. And I feel like over the years, I've gotten so much validation around my presence, around um, 
the way that I arrange my point of view that it helps me to have confidence in these areas where before I really, really struggle. But then you have to check it. You can't go too far. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Then you'll end up being trash. Yeah. 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 Constant battle. Well, and there's no, in a lot of cases, and in, I think our shared cases, there's no right or wrong way. I mean, y- you, you have a keen eye for your work and your arrangements, but no one can tell you that you're wrong. And if someone does, they probably shouldn't be following you or you can choose not to listen, you know? And so you, you, you take on the, the feedback that you want to receive and the love and support. And then you just kind of let the others go find somebody else to attach themselves to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you started Bloom and Plume in 2010. Is that right? Mm-hmm. what happened there what made you say this is the year this is the time how did it get its name and then fast forward us to to bloom and plume coffee I want to know if that was like one of those magical moments that you were describing where you said and now I want to do I want to add an extension on to this piece I think it was part in part attributable to um, accessibility for your following Yes. So um, I used to work at Juicy Couture and I worked in the window display department. I worked there almost four and a half years or something like that. When I got there, there were three stores. When I left, there was like 113 or something like that. So wow. it was like a massive, massive um, explosion. And now there's none. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, and would all the storefronts <laughs> be the same? No, they were all like a little different. Okay. I mean, there was categories. There was like A stores, B stores, and C stores. And like B and C stores would kind of have a, a similar format. Um, and then A stores would be like kind of one-offs. Um, and so my job was originally like to just be like a merchandiser that traveled around to open the stores up. And then it turned into, I saw the need that we needed somebody producing props and we needed somebody to produce the windows. Like nobody was really doing that. And so I just found my niche. I, I, I found the place and I started like our in-house studio where we built all of the props from scratch because our lead times were always terrible. And so we would have to just make everything ourselves. We couldn't like do a sample, send it to China, have it come back and then mass produce it or whatever. We never had, you know, 12 weeks to do that. It was always like, I need, 200 soldiers hand painted to look like the British soldiers with those articulated arms. Um, and we need them in like three weeks. And I'm just like, okay. And then I just <laughs> hire 20 of my friends to come in <laughs> to our warehouse and just get to painting. I would just order them from all over the, you know, like it just like get it done. Yeah. We need 75 bows that are three foot in diameter, two feet wide. Okay, great. I know how to sew. I'll like make the pattern or something like that. And then like, I'll get it going. Then I met another friend, my friend Tabitha. She's an amazing artist. And she started to prototype everything for me. And like, it was actually one of the most incredible and insane things I've ever done. Like I literally had a production studio with like woodworking tools, paint shop. Like um, the only thing we didn't really do was welding. But like, wow. that's a creative did, scream. Like, everything. Everything. It was crazy. Um, 
And but what was interesting about that was like I reevaluated my whole life in that job because I made decent money and my job was really interesting, but my boss made my life a living hell hmm. and never encouraged me, never wanted me to succeed. Like I only succeeded because I'm really smart at finding the holes and knowing how to fill them to then make myself indisposable. Um, so that was like my little thing. I just like, was like, well, somebody needs to do this. I'll do it. And then I'll do it so well that like, you'll ask me to do it again. And, um, I have had my dream job a couple of times and I never felt fulfilled. And I was just like, why is that? And I learned very early at this job that like work cannot do that. You have to have something outside of work that you're doing to fulfill yourself. And so um, I would just like play with flowers with friends and um, doing their dinner parties and, you know, just doing little things around the office. Because a lot of times I'm sourcing mm. product in downtown Los Angeles. Um, that crafty kind of district is right next door to the flower market. And so I was always there. And I'd just be like, oh, I'll just pick up a few flowers and like play with them. Like just like kind of peeking yeah. around being nosy. And I just started doing it. People like would be like, oh, can you pick up flowers for me? I'm having a little baby shower and I know you're down there. Would you mind? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sure. I'll even put them together for you. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, you're so good at this. And and like it's like if you gave me $100 to do flowers, I spent $100 on flowers. And yeah. then I like <laughs> You know, so like there were these insane arrangements. Now, in retrospect, I'm like, no wonder they like them. I mean, I literally <laughs> made no money doing this. Yeah. Um, but people really received it. And it, like, I remember working on somebody's party and I was at home, like, just whistling and singing and I felt free and so happy. And I had finally found something outside of work that, like, didn't make me resent work. Interesting. And, you know, this is around 2008. So at 2008, the economy crashed and everybody is losing jobs left and right. I mean, I went through hundreds of layoffs and I was still around and I was like, geez, am I? And I wouldn't quit because I wanted my severance package, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, will they hurry up and like get rid of me? <laughs> and it just wouldn't happen. And um, finally, one day it did. And. The funny thing is I was like miserable, but I also was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And my assistant Mariko at the time was like, you're really good. Um, you need to start a business. You need to focus on something outside of this place because it's killing you. And she's like, my friend is getting married. They have a little money and you're going to do their wedding, but you need to have business cards. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then I asked um, the lead uh, graphic designer to help me design my logo. Um, and that's my, the logo for, um, that we use on the mug, the silhouette, yeah. is actually my Disneyland cutout from when I was like 23 or something like that. Um, you go down Main Street and then they cut out your silhouette in less than a minute. And I was at Disneyland with my best friend, and I was like, I hate this. This doesn't look anything like me. <laughs> and then my best friend was like, I love it. I think it's so cute. And kept it on their refrigerator for years. 
And so then we're like ideating over like, what should the business be called? What should be the logo? I don't know. Like, uh, and it was like, well, what do you like? Well, I was like, obviously I'm obsessed with flowers and I'm obsessed with feathers. Oh, but I'm not going to call my business flower and feathers. <laughs> and then my... <laughs> I don't know, Maurice. I think you could have made it work. <laughs> and then um, my other best friend was like, hmm, what can we do? What can we do? And then he was like, what about like bloom and then like a plume? It just like feels kind of fancy. And I was like, I love it. And then my other friend was like, what about using the silhouette as a... Um, as like your logo and I was like you know what I kind of like it because it literally doesn't look like me but it's like a black silhouette you can tell it's like a black person and I was like that's kind of cool because you really don't see those and then I was like it also kind of looks like a continent like it doesn't necessarily look yeah uh, like I was just like there's a lot of things going on and I love that it's just like can be anything um because I didn't want to be pigeonholed I didn't want my name on it I just wanted it to be like this thing that like exists that could turn into a lifestyle brand down the line or whatever. And so then I, anyways, I got the business card made, like the logo has not changed. Yeah. Like it is still the logo. And, um, because I really wanted it to be iconic and classic and beautiful and stand the test of time. And, um, I did the wedding. I, I think the wedding was like $10,000. I think I made $150 because I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but it was really beautiful. <laughs> Poor, we call us um, portfolio builders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, I, I, um, I think I got, I did that while I kind of what we call moonlight. You know, so I kind of had my little business while I was still at work and just doing literally little things on the side at night and whatnot. And then when I finally got laid off, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I've had my dream job twice. It's really overrated. <laughs> and now I don't. I'm like, how old was I? Uh, like, I'm like 28 years old, 28, 29. And I was just like, uh, I was really stuck. And so I was just like, well, let's just see where the wind blows. And at the time I was at taking this dance class at the, um, the sweat spot in Silver Lake. And um, they asked me to like substitute classes. So now I'm like a dance teacher. Um, I worked for Cirque du Soleil and I was like an assistant of an assistant of an assistant to the prop master. So I would like go around the city searching for props and different things when they were, um, when they were working on the show Edie's uh, that was at the Kodak for like six months. And, um, and then people would have me do flowers on the side and flowers was the one. Oh, and then I also did windows for people, a, a, a client of mine, Jenny Kane. And oddly, sorry, this is the longest story <laughs> on the planet. Like we're going to have to edit some of this out. I, lo I also love sorry. how you throw out Jenny Kane. Like no one's going to know who that is. Just my friend, Jenny. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it was back in the day and she had her brand and we, um, I did the windows for her. Like I met her through another, like her lead designer at the time who also freelanced at Juicy. And he was like, oh, I think you should do this lady's windows because the windows that they have, they're just like, eh. And I think they need to be elevated and I think you could do it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And I would just like do them. And she was like, oh my God, this is great. And then she had a blog that she had just started 
and she would do the flowers herself. And I was just like, oh, no, bro. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I can do the flowers for you and make it look like you did them. But, like, it'll just look a little bit better for camera. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And then it just was a thing. And then she loved it. And um, she was, like, my fairy godmother. She, like, um, told all her friends to use me. And, like, it literally just, like, snowballed. And that's, like, I basically, um, I basically kept all of these balls in the air to see which one would land. And Flowers was the most consistent, so then I followed it. Hmm. Um, and as I continue to do it, right, so fast forward as, you know, um, I have a business where people literally keep ordering flowers. I started it like with my severance package and um people ordering things and just like built 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 until like where we're where where we're at now and then my brother was like mm, you're not going to be able to do this forever what else are you going to do and i was like i don't know i've just never thought about it and he was like but i was like my neighborhood is changing people are um building apartment buildings around here. I have these two studio spaces and somebody's going to open a coffee shop and it's going to annoy me. <laughs> so I need to be the change that I want to see in the world. And I was like, and also I've been noticing on my gram that like, there are all these people that love what I do and want to be engaged in what I do but don't have access mm. to what we do because it's so expensive. Cause you're and so for, I, for the listeners, the flowers you do are, it's not just like pop down to like the Fred Meyer, you know, grocery <laughs> store. These are like installations. Very high. Yeah. End. It's, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty epic. Like each one is like a one-off. Like we yeah. basically, like if you order flowers from us, it is an individual inspiration that we like, come up with for you the opening price point is 200 bucks like where we don't even make that much money off of them but it's like it's almost like our calling card yeah. and it like helps us to work out our um ideas and things that we're into um but and then it just goes beyond that like crazy flower installations crazy weddings crazy parties crazy um art pieces and stuff like that and I was just like, gosh, who really gets to engage and see this? Very few. Not my community. Hmm. Not like people that I think would really, really, really enjoy it. So so it, it, it just made sense to me. It made sense to me. Um, and I thought that we would be able to deliver a really special, elevated, um, non-white-centered, um, figuratively and literally, um, space that people could engage and um, check out because coffee shops are always so sterile looking which I understand why now because <laughs> it's very very expensive to build out a space and keeping it as simple as possible is the most efficient way to do it I wouldn't change the way that I open my shop but whoo I have learned, we have learned some lessons. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> You're like, why is yikes. there no furniture in this coffee? Uh. <laughs> yeah, expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I just thought, like, again, there was a hole in the market. Like, it, it, going back to my Juicy experience, right, I saw that there was a hole in our operation and what we were doing. And so I was like, this needs to be filled. Um, when I started my flower business and why I really pursued it was I saw that flowers hadn't been touched um, in a long time. We were still, you know, this is in 2010 and we're still doing flowers like it's 1999, 1995. And I was like, fashion changes so much and culture changes so much. Like, what about flowers? Like, it's been stuck. And I thought there was room to um, shake that market up a bit. And I think I was at the beginning, listen to me talking about like I'm a pioneer or something, but I thought it was like kind of at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of um, the like big flower movement. And that's like when Instagram was really coming around, like that's such a visual medium right. where people like post these things and um, kind of have these instant portfolios, if you will. So um it had that same kind of sentiment to me that there's a hole in the market. Like coffee is so white male centered and is so, um, uh, it's so exclusive feeling, um, that especially with preparation. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. That I really wanted to figure out a way to make it an inclusive space. And also like trying to be really smart about it. As you know, we opened in 2018. We're about to have our two-year anniversary in a couple weeks. And um, so what is Yeah, that's 2018. I think. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't do math. Um, maybe that's, that's 2019. For, that's for Moses. He'll deal with it. Yeah, that's Moses, <laughs> my brother, my business partner. He does all the finances. Um, but the latter part of 2019, 18, 20, whatever, I was thinking about as we're getting away from physical spaces, where are places that people still want to leave their house to go to congregate, right? Um, And I was seeing a shift in the trends of like how I consume and how I eat and how I uh, participate in commerce. And I love a space where I can like brunching culture became like a big thing a couple of years ago. And so I was like, hmm, how do we kind of tap into that? I wanted a space where people could go on a date, where people could have really great hangouts, where people could go to feel like they're they're being dressed up and looking cute that day was going to be valuable or um, like they'll be seen, you know, like figuratively and physically. And... um, and the environment had to reflect that. And so I was like, a retail flower shop isn't it. Like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to go to that. Like, it's a cute concept. But in terms of, like, the financials of, like, literally running a business, like, yeah. not a vibe. People would go to uh, admire, but, yeah, probably not purchase. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it was like how, like, at the end of the day, we are participating in capitalism. So how do we drive this business? And I was like, I think coffee is one of those common denominators that bring people together and it's a way to have people you know we have some quick bites and stuff like that just to like keep it simple keep it cute keep it quick um but it's like a beautiful little hanging so it is i've been there i love it that's you right feel you, were like there, you're, you were in you were in the there during the road i know i know i i shouldn't have but i hopped on a plane and <laughs> um 
I responsibly. I, you feel like you're yeah. in a garden when you're in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. really cool experience. And by the way, I love that the plexiglass between you and the staff is, isn't it like a neon yellow? It's so cool. It's, uh, it. <laughs> it's like driving glasses. Yeah. I just, I haven't seen that anywhere. I'll, yeah. yeah it, very, very cool. Was that was your like idea? Avoiding, I was like avoiding, um, like our Rona setup was, trash like it was so ugly because i was just like Ugh, how do you make this pretty how do you make it chic how do you make it interesting and then like when i was like i was gonna build this really elaborate case and i had all these like insane ideas and i was like wait we're like not making money i can't just keep <laughs> with my like crazy projects and i literally just went and was like oh my god i think i can i measured and i was like i think the sheet of plexi will fit here like and it's like, I can hang it really easy. It's literally been the simplest of all of my ideas. Like, <laughs> Moses. Moses is my brother, and he's always just, like, side-eyeing me, like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, because I'm just out of my mind. <laughs> but that one was super simple, and it's been, like, probably the most effective. Yeah. It's so cool. It's I so cool. I actually love it, too. It's so cool. And I got to say, too, You've achieved um, for a white person visiting a non-white centered coffee shop that's about inclusivity. You've achieved that for sure. And then also I felt like, I think you and I had already talked once or twice by then, but I felt like I was kind of tapping a bit into who you are or, or the moment that you were having. I mean, carnations were there, you know? Mm-hmm everywhere I looked and you know so I'm I'm thinking to myself okay there's something you know Maurice is having a carnation moment yes I don't know it kind of felt like I was in your brain (laughs) you know like if you come to my home if you come to my studio if you come to the coffee shop these are reflections of my brain and my creativity 100% I mean you nailed it um but I really wanted like I think inclusion that is non-white centered isn't about exclusion of certain groups of people i.e white people it's about no like there is a way to balance all of this there is a way to make everybody feel welcome while centering somebody else other than our default in this country which is always like white white is always right and it's like there are other ways and other things to be right and to be correct and not be white centered where white people still feel welcome. Hmm. And so I think like, cause we couldn't exist without everybody shopping there. Um, so it's not about like excluding people. It's about like white people. Like, I feel like one of my major goals is to have white people feel more comfortable with holding space for other things that are not white centered. Right. And, What's important about that is the more folks get comfortable with things that aren't their default, the more we're going to move forward with how our country is evolving and not holding on to things that have been programmed that actually are highly, highly problematic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to help pave the way, or we're all trying to help pave the way for people to get comfortable. Like there's this um this photo project that i work on called shades of blackness and i remember one of the 
the second one that I did was insane. Basically, it was like I photographed all these different black folks and floral installations. I do the photography, I do the setups, and it's not Photoshop. Everything is in camera. So, wow. like, you're just seeing an insane amount of flowers all around this person, super lush, super beautiful, and it's all just, like, there as you see it. And I just thought it was incredible all by itself. Um, and then what was fascinating to me is um, my friend wanted to help me, like, launch it and get people to talk about it. And um, people didn't want to write about it because they didn't feel comfortable talking about black things or black people being a white person. I was like, no, no, no. The whole point is this is just beautiful. Mm. And that, yes, it's black centered, but it's for anybody to talk about. Yeah. And so like we're missing it because if you, if you, if you don't see how that's actually meant to bring us together and you're just causing more segregation, it's more just to be like, I'm kind of flipping this a little bit so that then we can see how absurd the way that we've been doing this is and let's have a conversation about it. Mm. Yeah. And I will say, sorry, I'm, I know I'm talking way too much, but I'm going to do a beautiful segue right here. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I feel it coming. Three, two, <laughs> one. What I love so much about our collaboration has been you all's openness to like other perspectives and looking at things from a different way. Like you were saying earlier, you know, you're, you started this project out of being like, well, we can't do anything. And you picked an artist that you liked. And then you're like, you know, and then the world is changing and reacting to all kinds of things. And you're, you're doing your own like soul seeking or your own like reevaluations of your own personal practices and your business and thinking about how could we do things differently? How can we show up in a new way and reaching out to us and what we've been able to do together? Literally, it has been so beautiful and it has been so magical to have partners that are further along in their business and their career and what they're doing and the access that they have and being like, hey, I like what you're doing. This is cool. It, it matches what we're doing too. Let's bring you along. Let's raise you up. Let's do something together. We want to support that because we see the value in what you're doing. And that is like, I'm literally like covered in chills right now <laughs> because I think it's really, really fantastic. Um, and it, and, and I want to be even more clear, which it doesn't feel like white savior stuff. It just mm. feels like I'm doing what needs to be done. I'm doing my part. Like you guys haven't, um come across like we're gonna come in it's like no we just want to do something cool with you guys yeah. and really like showing up in a way that feels incredibly authentic and real it which doubles down on why your product's so good and why it's so beautiful already because you can just tell that you guys put that sort of energy in everything that you do which is always the brands and the businesses that i want to align with yeah well, gosh, I'm blushing. Wow, uh, thank you. <laughs> well said, Maurice. I, I, uh, thank yeah, you I'm, hum so much. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled for sure. I think it's such a hard. I don't, I don't want to say like, like this is so hard, but it's, it's interesting because there is a nuance of, of not being white savior mentality. And, and actually, Beck and I were just talking about this the other day of like, 
remember back in the day, I don't know, gosh, it was like the nineties or whatever. And there was all this like charity work in Africa and it was like somewhat good intent, but it came across as like, we know how to do this. We're going to show you white savior mentality. Right. And there's even today, it does feel like there's a little bit of that too, where it's like black people can't get ahead unless the white person helps. And it's, and, and to me, that's like condescending, like you are fully capable of running a, of a, a beautiful flower, um, you know, business and the cafe and all that. And it's more of us coming together to create something more beautiful than us doing something independently or separate. And I think that's, what's really cool about Mir is we love collaboration. I mean, collaboration is kind of what we do now. And it's so fun to be able to, to meet so many interesting people, um, and to come together and to learn from each other and to amplify each other and then to make it accessible for so many different crowds. Like when we launched this collection, there's going to be people who probably live in the burbs and random places that are going to be super on board with the camp cup. That's absolutely gorgeous gold foil. And there's going to be people in DTLA who are totally on board with this. And, um, yeah, I just, I just get excited about it. And I'm glad we're, we're, we're approaching a way that, you know, I, I certainly don't want to come across as like, we know what's right, even though we're white or whatever, whatever the thing, the context may be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think like, I think it's, it, it's an interesting, it, it, it is a very fine line because I think you have to think historically how, yeah, the country is set up for white people to be successful. The country and all of our systems are set up for white businesses and white affiliated things to just like excel. And this idea of one pulling themselves up by their bootstraps when generations ago the people that were able to get the gi bill the people that were able to benefit from um gerrymandering and all of these different like segregation and keeping other people down yes it does come across as white savior because literally the wealth gap and the opportunity gap is so vast that unless white people are checking how their own privilege and actually turning around and being like, oh, I need to check some of this privilege and actually redirect it. It it just continues the problem. So it's like kind of a both and for me. Mm. Like it's obviously you want to partner with businesses that are like minded and uh, um, like you see, like you're not just going around and picking a random brand that you're just like, well, we got to pick somebody black. You like went and actually did your research and was like, actually, this is a creative that I think will blend really well with what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. And I'm inspired by their creative process in a way. Like when you guys first pitched to me, like it made me excited to want to do it because you had like done your research. You had looked at what we do and you had been like, oh my God, like the potential of what you guys can do is so endless. And it got me so excited about like how we could design and where we were designing and what we were doing. Like it was incredible. So I think it it really is both of those things and towing that line. And it's mm. even wonderful to be having this conversation out loud on this podcast, because I think it's a conversation people try to avoid or don't want to say the wrong thing or but if we're not talking about it if we're not having these open and candid conversations how do we move forward how do yeah. we like evolve how do we do it yeah and i like i just respect the fact that you're just like well we're just gonna do it we'll just figure it out well, and also, yeah. you know, we, we didn't feel like there was a template before us as, you know, as a white business owner, there's, you know, there's certainly companies that we follow and we look up to and, and 
and yet I also know that there's other people who follow me on Instagram and, and us on Instagram and listen to our, our podcast and they're looking for how we partner with you so that they have an example of how they can partner with other minority owned businesses, you know? And so that's, yeah. that's part of the excitement too, is like, let's amplify this partnership and let's be transparent about it and talk about it and figure out how we make it work. Um, and then to your point where it was, you know, when we, um, I think Henry, uh, who, who, who helps produce our podcast was looking at the small business support campaign, somebody uh, nominated bloom and plume and uh, you know, it's going through the list. And then I clicked on your website and I watched that video of Microsoft and, and our vision, literally our vision at mirror is to create more beauty and generosity in the world. And so that's, what's so amazing about the air project is that it's beauty because it's artists and there's generosity and there's this whole give component, um, that we're incorporated into our brand. But then to see the flower arrangements and the, that Microsoft video, I was like, we got to talk to these guys. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 We were sizing you up a little bit too. We're like, oh, they're huge. I don't know that they would. I was ever like, say I don't even yes know if they'll get back to us. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm um, filming this podcast in my closet, so I'm super huge. Um, and we've got a it's a real big production over here. Yep. Um, but you know, you have to. But I think that that also illustrates how, like, if I don't present in a certain way, it's like I my price point isn't because I want it to be that way. It's because what we do and when you run the numbers and you see how it has to work, it is like, well, this is how much this has to cost for like our operating to happen. And then how do I sell that fantasy? I have to look like I know what I'm doing. I have to like come across as like this super together person and this expert in my field. And, you know, every project, every job, I'm just like, what are we going to do this time? You know, like <laughs> we're all just trying to figure it out. So, um, especially in Rona. <laughs> oh, Rona. Sister Rona. Sister Rona. She's uh, getting us together though. She is that's getting true. us together. I mean, I feel like we just, it, it, the most beautiful thing out of it is like, would we be having this conversation right now? Had that not happened, you know, like even the political conversations that we're having around like, you know, what white people can get away with in terms of terrorist acts and being <laughs> storming our capital, protesting. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And other people literally protesting and being or sleeping in their bed and being murdered and nothing happening. And, um, you know, we're really having some serious conversations that have needed to be in, that have needed to, well, how did you say that? That uh, have, we've needed to have for a very long time. And they're finally um, being had, which I think is beautiful. You don't, you, you guys probably know this really well. You don't get anything beautiful without pain without struggle, without something being difficult. Um, you do not get a hot body by eating donuts all day, by being <laughs> cute and sweet. Like, you gotta sacrifice, you gotta stress the muscles out, you gotta rip them open, you gotta make a lot, it's horrible, but then you look real good, you know? So I think for this country to like get its six pack back, we have to like, we gotta change our diet. Yeah, we gotta start doing some crunches. that's so true and i think this is that kind of work like Mm. this is like where we're able to have um open and candid conversations because i think 
the thing that I want to communicate is I think like it's not white people aren't bad white people it's not necessarily their fault that they're in these privileged positions but then the acknowledgement that you are and what do you do with that yeah and how do you shift that you know it's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and be like but I didn't do anything and it's like yeah but like you're still a beneficiary and how do you bring other people along how do you justify that how do you uh right the wrong um yeah because it's just time Mm -hmm. yeah it's beyond time Mm -hmm. beyond time Can we talk for a second, if you'll humor us? Uh, you came up with some amazing product names for our collaboration. And I'm wondering if you can expand on each. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so, you know, funny, funny thing. When we come up with um, product names just for our business, basically... I started, um, one of the things that I did on Instagram was I just started giving all of our arrangements personality because I just thought like it was a way for me to have social commentary, make things kind of stand out. Um, oh, your winter, winter Wendy, I think it was. That was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. So those used to, I used to like spend hours writing those like back in the day when I had a little bit more time. And they're like, sometimes I go back and read them and they're like, they actually still crack me up. Because basically <laughs> everything I do is to make myself laugh. I hope somebody else laughs with me, but ultimately it's to crack myself up. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I love alliteration. My dad was a minister or is a minister and um, all of his sermons had alliteration. So I'm kind of obsessed with that in a little way. And, um, and then also, um, Moses, believe it or not, is an amazing ghostwriter. And Uh. so Moses actually writes a lot of the posts that go on the coffee shop blog or or on our coffee shop website. Um, and he, uh, is writing as me, which is genius. That's like, a fun fact. I would have never guessed is, that. I know. And he's so good at it. He's actually better at it than I am, which is why <laughs> I now am self-conscious about writing on the coffee shop Instagram because he's so good at it. So we um, were having our weekly creative meeting. We try to meet twice a week. We meet once to just deal with like high, um, high level, like this is what's going down. Like we need to get a new waffle maker we need to get this we're not doing this this isn't working blah 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 blah. this is our these are our financials and then we talk about marketing strategy and creative on thursdays and so on our last thursday meeting i was like oh we have to come up with these names what are we going to do blah 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 and so i was just trying to think of like i was trying to think of alliteration i was trying to think of um i always just want to put a smile on somebody's face and i feel like i don't know why sometimes the best names are always um sister somebody like i just (laughs) think about all the like old ladies at my church uh when i was younger so um 
like and then it's just like i love puns i love play on words so anita some more camp cup oh my <laughs> god <laughs> that's so ridiculous and it's so good um and then um i gotta remember what all of them are the canister connie oh connie i love connie Connie, no, Cassandra. Cassandra, Cassandra. Connie Cassandra, for short. Cassandra, Connie, Canister, but they call her Cece for short. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, I just, it, yeah. And then the other one was, um, Porigami was um, really fun just because, like, you can, it's such a play on words, right? So you're yeah. like, um what was it? Po- pour it on, pour it on me, pour it on me. Um, I'm trying to find where my notes are. What I I know say? what it uh, is. But I, I was gonna say I don't want to say it wrong. Is it? It's La Portia, right? Yeah, it's La Portia Porigami. <laughs> pour it on me. <laughs> pour it on me. As a drip coffee, pour it on me. You're like, oh, this is too good. This is like. <laughs> These are like lamps for you. You're just like, this is easy. I'll I'll be here all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, They're so I good. Wanted to, I wanted it to be Porsche Porigami, but then I was like, no, it needs like you need the La Porsche because Porsche just might sound like uh, like the car. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just always about like. A little smile, a little humor, a little <laughs> a little uh, dab, just a little dabble, do you? Yeah. Because then, like, I just feel like you can interpret that any way you want. You can run with it, or you can just be like, "This is nonsense. I'm not even engaging." <laughs> or you can like just have a little giggle. Um, it's and, so great. And, and, and where that comes from in my design sensibility is, I feel like it just makes things a little bit more approachable, mm. right? So um, we, through our flower business, through the coffee, like even, let's just say coffee, right? Like coffee is so nerdy. You can geek out so hard on how you're dialing in, how the coffee, how the water pours. Like it's just so scientific, even though you're, you know. It's endless. Pouring hot water over beans, but it's like endless. (laughs) <laughs> you're like, like, it's hot water for beans, but you can go real deep. <laughs> you can go real deep. And like at the end of the day for a customer, is it delicious or yeah. is it not? Yeah. For the and customer like, too. Yeah. Yeah. To their right? tasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, in our flower business, it's the same. It's like we, it's our arrangements are technically very, very difficult. Um, but is it pretty? Or is it not? Like, who cares how much work or nuance or energy it took to make it? Like, is it pretty? Do I like it or do I not? And I think that the names or the the way we photograph it, like, a little bit of irreverence <laughs> helps to make it more casual and helps it to, like, be like, we know this is, like, really chic and super, super amazing. But we also just want it to, like, throw it off because we don't take ourselves so seriously even though we actually do so yeah. it's, it, you know it's like that beginning of the conversation where you're like always trying to toe the line of like i've got my ego but i'm checking my ego at the door totally 
Absolutely. And this goes back to what you and I have talked a little bit about, Maurice, with the collaboration. It's it's uh, it's making it accessible and it's it's making something um, feel normal. We talked about how it can feel at times it can feel funny for white people to try to participate and engage and like redirect those dollars, like you were saying, toward black owned endeavors without feeling funny about it or um, like they don't belong. And so Mm -hmm. by us coming together and saying, hey, we're a white owned business, you're a black owned business. Beauty is beauty. You have the opportunity to own something that's beautiful. And, and by the way, like, don't feel weird about it. We're all, we all belong here together in this space. And um, we're all a little weird. And we're all, we're all weird. struggling with something. Yeah. You know, um, my therapist said this to me a couple of years ago, which I really, really disliked, but it, because it was so true. Um, and because I am constantly looking at the injustices in the world, I am constantly fighting against how like, like I, I say it. there's this quote that's like, um, Lord, grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man today. Um, wow, I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just insane how many opportunities are afforded to mediocre white dudes. Oh. When like, I'm like a beyond extraordinary person because I have to be to just get an interview. Um, and so, that's <laughs> such an insane. I can't believe I said that out loud, but, it, but it's true. Like, I'm thinking of so, like Clark Griswold <laughs> right now and his hat. Just some brown just, braided belts and some cargo shorts. You know, because it's just like, how are you able to do that? That's like not fair. And so my therapist said to me, you know, pain is pain, and like my white clients that have tons of money and that are like, you know, whatever you would perceive to be like, they should be fine. Their lives are pretty awful too. Like, like what they're struggling with is their Achilles heel as well. And the more we like, we acknowledge and come together that we're all struggling, that we're all just trying to figure it out, that we're all just trying to get love that me trying to keep things from you is my own insecurity around not having enough. But like, that is your battle and you need to deal with it and overcome it. But me pointing the finger at everybody isn't gonna solve that. Mm. And the more that I've been able to sit in a space that we're all going through it, we all have an Achilles heel that we're trying to deal with it allows me to give a little bit more grace. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, let's not get it twisted. I definitely side-eye a lot of like, like, I don't know, there was that meme going around of that lady that was like, okay. I think I, I think um, I know the video you're talking about. She said, repeat what she says. She says, I, I got mace. I, I, we're just, it's a revolution. Like, it was like this really funny little silly thing. And you're just like, wait, you mean to tell me that like you feel bad for yourself because you broke into a building that you weren't supposed to be in and then like they didn't even shoot you, they just maced you so that you could get out okay and you're 
like crying. It just was so wild to me. Did you see the? Did um, you see the so follow up? I definitely up? still side eye. You know. Um, yeah. Maurice, did you see the follow up no. uh, investigation of that video? Um, I don't. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I saw something else where they said no. they said, "Whoa, whoa, look at this video in slow motion," because she has a towel. And it looks like she has an, an onion. onion. Yes, it's an onion in the towel. So she, so people are thinking oh. that she didn't even get mace. She was like rubbing her eyes with an onion to cry on camera. Oh my word. Hard side eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I call um, whites gone wild. <laughs> and so that's definitely a vibe and it happens. But I don't think that's like, that's obviously not everybody. And that's obviously not like, you know, the goal but i think you know what we're doing the conversations we're having what i think uh you know people approach me all the time to be their black savior right or to Mm. legitimize their diversity because i'm charismatic i have a beautiful business like i like i i realize the position that i have as well and i deny a lot of things because it feels gross it feels like I'm being exploited and I'm not interested in that, right? Is that how um, you sniff it out? It's a it's a gut feeling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a gut feeling and it's monetary. To me, like, you can talk all day long about how you want to highlight or whatever, but I'm like, where does the money meet the – the money meeting the rubber road or the money yeah. meeting the road um, for me is, like, the true sign, right? Because – you wouldn't do that yourself if the if the roles were turned mm-hmm. and so that's actually not righting the wrong that's just using me as leverage to try to make yourself feel better my brother said this thing to me um a while ago we kind of loosely were touching on this idea but i love this example of you know when a person goes into an inner city school and wants to read books to them once a week that does nothing for that child's life, but that makes that person that goes there once a week feel better about themselves. And so the sentiment is in the right place, but you're actually not getting uncomfortable. You're actually not for, you're not sacrificing really anything to actually make that child's life better or those children's lives better. So I think that's where I'm also able to sift out where true partnership is happening like we even talked about like oh let's just see how this goes this is the beginning we want to like see how we can explore that further or what that looks like and um and that was really interesting to me right um and 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 also like aside from that you guys are just cool you guys have (laughs) like a good vibe you like make a beautiful product like you are on point um rebecca you are so on point like ask oh, really gosh. good questions you like have a hardcore follow-up like you just make it happen <laughs> it's amazing i know, it's I know amazing. when i thank you when when you mentioned earlier that you're not big on email i'm like oh gosh how many emails did i send him this week i hope he doesn't hate me no it's okay because allison like i have allison in place now so yeah allison and i are we're buds yeah yeah, she was like i like that rebecca i mean (laughs) on it we text on the daily 
<laughs> I'll try not yeah. to text her over the weekend. But. <laughs> okay, we need to respect your time, but I do have a couple of uh, parting questions if you're yeah, go for up it. for like, that. I, I'm chill. I have a little bit of time. I know I was a little verbose. So if okay, we need cool. to like, talk in a way where um, I need to say things shorter so that you can edit it later, just let me know. Oh, I think we just let it roll. Yeah, we don't. We don't need to. Edit if you this. don't like it, turn it off. <laughs> um, <Copy>. yeah, <laughs> cancel culture. No. Um, 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 um okay, I want to know what your favorite flower is and if it ever changes. It's always changing because um, I don't really necessarily have a favorite, but like the thing that popped in my mind right now were bearded irises. I love bearded irises. They're so so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I think that's because I saw them in somebody's Instagram post yesterday. And um, that's different from two weeks ago when I was like obsessed. Like I've been obsessed with Bird of Paradise for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, love um, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool. I'm obsessed. They're so good. I believe they're in our, I want to say, I think they're in our design. Um, they're worked in somewhere. Um, I have a Bird of Paradise shirt because I love them so much. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, really yeah. good. Um, of course, I'm a basic bitch, and I love peonies. Um, <laughs> how can you not? Like, you, like they're just good. They're I amazing. Love, um, Do you like Renunc... Oh, I'm sorry. Of okay. course, I love Renunculus. Renunculus okay, are like the poor man's peony, but, like, they're actually... <laughs> and if you get, like, the Japanese Renunculus, which are actually more expensive than peonies, those are insane. Look those oh, up. Oh, I am um, so going to... Yeah, Japanese Google that. ranunculus are so beautiful. I can't um, even spell ranuncula. I'm trying to Google this and I can't. It doesn't even... matter. Uh, Google's going to correct it for you. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's R-A-N-N-U-C-L. Oh, yeah. Wow. Those are. Yeah, those I, are cool. I didn't know there was a Japanese version. That's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah, and then you like, said. It's like this crazy hybrid. And like, usually a ranunculus is about, uh, you know, an inch, inch and a half in diameter. But the. The Japanese ones are about three inches in diameter. They're huge and oh, so cool. beautiful and um, uh, strong. I also love uh, um, chocolate Cosmo because they're like they're like have these chocolate velvety petals and they smell like chocolate and they're oh. like really small and dainty. So I'm a pretty obsessed with those. Are they hard to get or find? Uh, not too not they're just like they have their season don't yeah. ask me what season it is but okay they're around like uh, that was my next question but no i'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> that was my next question. Um, 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 um okay you have to choose between oh this is gonna be fun uh dance music fashion and flowers you can only have one what do you choose dance I feel the most alive when I'm in my body and it's really hard for me to get in my body sometimes because I stay in my mind so much, but, um, movement is where it's at, but I think I've cheated your system because to dance, you need music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's true. Totally. <laughs> 2020 was the year of dance parties, at least at our house with the kid just yeah. Oh, yeah. had to dance. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that motion changes emotion. So when the kids are just not having it, we're like, all right, time to dance. It's a total reset. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, it absolutely is. Name a favorite past client that you've worked with. Or if you can't disclose, maybe uh, just a, describe a favorite job. Um, 
You know, I actually, I mean, this is kind of an easy, obvious one, but I really actually do love working with Beyonce. I love working with her because um, I feel like we have a connectivity. Um, we're on similar wavelengths. So she actually just lets me do my thing, um, which is always when you get the best results, when people just let you create the way that they'll give me like the creative brief or whatever, but then I just get to like, do what I need to do. And um, it's been really lovely. What I enjoy probably most about her is how authentic she is. She's definitely like, you know, when she was all into that Sasha Fierce thing, mm -hmm. it's because she really does turn on and then she turns off. And so uh, if you're around her and you're not on, like she's not on set, like literally in the shot, taking the photo or whatever, like she's just herself. And that's like, um she's a very sweet funny cool person and then you're just like like i forget that i'm standing next to her sometimes um we did a project with her once and like she was like um she was with her kids and she was like singing them a lullaby trying to get them to like participate and like i literally forgot who she was and i was like i almost said out loud oh my God, you should think about singing. You have such a beautiful voice. <laughs> because I was just like, because I was like, she was just so like, like she was just momming her kids. She was just being yeah. like a normal, cool lady. It wasn't like Beyonce the mom. Um, and so I just funny. think that, that it's such a beautiful quality to be able to be like very human and relatable and then know that like, you know, there's another side of you that has to like, turn on because I've never seen anybody perform as insane as her. actually Grace Jones is probably a little bit more um, charismatic than Beyonce but I mean it's Grace Jones so um, but like nobody can touch um, Beyonce's stamina whenever she's performing and I'm in the audience I feel like I'm being blessed by like the gods of Beyonce or something <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know that she could ever do wrong or ever has yeah Okay, last question. And this is a question you ask in interviews, I think, when, really? when we're looking to hire. Oh, yeah. Uh, name a favorite failure. Um, well, we talked about it. I think my literally my favorite fa failure is when I basically lost my business. And I had to just, like, look at all. I had to look at everything. Um, I bet I can even get more specific after that. Um. I was going to be late on payroll to my two most loyal um, uh, employees, Miguel and Jose, who I love so, so much. They're like my children. And I was like, we'll never be late on payroll again. That's my number one priority, blah, 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 blah. And um, I always forget about payroll because, like, I have to do it, like, nobody does it like i'm the person that pushes the button and i do that intentionally to keep myself accountable and all that stuff but I, I don't set a calendar and i don't set a reminder and so then i'm always like and i was like i'm gonna stop doing that i'm gonna make sure i'm in the zone and then like within a month or something like that i failed to do it and they were like maurice we don't ask much of you we just ask that you like pay us on time because that's the way that you can show us that you respect that we're here for you and I was like, you know what? That's a good point. And then when I had to go and confront them and let them know that payroll was going to be late because 
I didn't do it and we were still waiting for a check to come in or something like that, like, it gutted me and it re-humbled me and it also, like, gave me an opportunity to sit in my own dirty diaper again in this way that just, like, keeps you human and keeps you, like, not above the law. And um, the fact that they gave me grace and were, like, we get it, you know, or like, yeah, we don't, we're mad at you, but like for legitimate reason. And I'm like, absolutely. To be able to have such an adult exchange and not, um, get resentful or have them resentful or try to hide from the situation was really powerful actually, you know? So I would say that's probably been my most successful failure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say that we love you? You guys have to tell me yours. Oh gosh, so many. Which one? I mean, there's, there's like easy. I think I've said this one before on the podcast, but there was. This is like six or seven years ago. Say another one. Yeah, say a different one. Gosh. There was. I mean, it's not that. I mean, at the time, it was a big deal. I think it was like 10 grand. I wired money to a factory. Our emails had gotten hacked, and the hacker literally passed back real messages back and forth between us and the factory. For, we were, for months. For this months. was a really committed for like six months. hacker. Yeah. So, like, I was like, hey, we need this sample, and I'd send the artwork, and then the sample would come in the mail. So it was like legitimately coming back and forth. And then eventually it, come, it came time to make a payment for some of the product. And they said, oh, hey, our bank account's changed. And we were, I was just, running fast, running fast. And normally you're always like, oh, I'll, I'll check this. I wire like 20 bucks, you know, or whatever. And then call them and say, hey, did you get the money? No, okay, fake bank account or whatever, right? So in, in China, I, I didn't think of it, pass it on, bank call me, hey, is this all right? Yeah, 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 whatever. And then like, you know, and then the hacker kept passing the emails back and forth of like, hey, I didn't get the payment, I paid you. Which is so insane that like after the hacker got the money, they still played us. So then finally we jumped on the phone and, and it was like, oh my gosh. We're not getting this money back. And it was at the time where like 10 grand was like really, really important. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like dismissive of 10 grand right now, but it was like a really big deal at the time. And yeah. that was brutal. So now we always check our payments uh, going out. Wow. That's process. a good one. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, I felt like such an idiot. I am having a hard time. I got to rack my brain here. This is more relational it's not work related it's like it's more brian that fails i just you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just let brian fall on his face yeah. yeah i yeah uh on our honeymoon well so we had gone to premarital counseling before we got married and the way that that format worked is they take you through a bunch of different topics that you discuss and you know you you at least uncover where each is at in a particular, you know, uh, scenario. So of course you talk about whether or not you want to have kids, you talk about holidays and traditions and how you're going to incorporate, you know, family into the mix or whatever. So, so all of those things, but, and we had, we had worked through that. We're like, great, you know, we're, we're well matched. Um, but then we get to our, uh, honeymoon and there we had some serious <laughs> discord around what vacation should look like and what you should do on vacation. And my version of vacation is you don't 
you don't do anything. You just sit by the pool you just, and read. You just soak it all up, you know? Order your margarita, lay by the pool. And I grew up, my family, we did. Read a book. You were up early and you just did stuff all, you went to the museum, you did all day, hike, and if you didn't do all that stuff, you failed. And so, so anyway, I was like, we got to do stuff. And Beck's like, would you just relax? Yeah. So finally, so like four days in, we get into this big fight on the beach and we resolved it and you know, we've, we've worked out our differences, but that, that was just a, yeah, that was just a funny, <laughs> it was a funny way to start the marriage. And, um, and it was a, it was a failure in a, in a sense, but a very minor one, but she wins. I am, I am all about relaxing now. I'm like, I don't need to hike. Yeah, I'm so, going to sit by the pool. Yeah. So now read. he's on my side. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, I take different sort of trips. Like there are adventure trips and then there oh, are yeah. vacations. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't have vacations on one up. of them and I got so upset. <laughs> yeah, My friend like, invited mm. me to go on vacation with her to Morocco. She's like, oh, I'm going to stay here for a couple of days, blah, blah, blah. Like, come through. Like, let's think, oh, no, not a couple of days. Like, I'm going to stay for an extra two weeks. Come and hang out <laughs> with me. And I was just like, mm, okay. And then I convinced my other friend to come with me. And so we're going to meet her. And then her agent tells her she has to come back early. And so now <laughs> I'm on a vacation. <laughs> Quote, air quotes. That I didn't plan by, with my friend. And we're going through this whole thing. We planned out this whole thing for months. And it was so hectic and so stressful. Because every two days we were moving somewhere, every two days we were on some adventure, every time you walk out of the house, someone is giving you directions or saying, come with me. And I was like, oh my God, all I wanted to do was <laughs> Although I, I came back with 10 incredible rugs. Oh. Oh, cool. So you did come out ahead. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Nice. nice. That's really cool. You made lemonade out of lemons, always. as they say. Yeah, always. Yeah. I'm really excited for this collaboration, for the the, the collaboration on the vessel. It's uh, it's stunning. I can't it wait. Looks I hope so good. It does guys, look so good. It's, it's so good. good, right? It's it's right. so I'm good. Convincing you with my no, I when I when I when I tasked really it, I was good. like, we got to do something awesome, and it's it it is uh it is mind blowingly awesome. Yeah, I mean, I hope we can do something together every year, and our Yay! people. Yeah, our yeah. people just come to expect it and they're on it and yeah they're gonna keep they're gonna be like oh, brian and maurice want to do this thing where there's like lasers and gold and foil yeah, yeah they're gonna be like uh <laughs> and i'm yes. not gonna apologize yeah yes 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 uh well thanks so for the conversation grateful. oh yeah. so good thank you for having me this was so fun um you guys are the bomb i feel like i'm the bomb so you are the bomb just, we wish you, you the best i can't wait to get up all together Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, check out the collaboration. Mir.com. You will see the Bloom and Plume on there. You can follow Maurice at Bloom and Plume, B-L-O-O-M and Plume on Instagram. It's amazing. And the Bloom foot. and Plume at Bloom and Plume Coffee as well. Yes. And the yes. coffee shop as well. Yes. 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 Check out the coffee That'll shop. And it is in Echo Park, LA. So if you're in LA, Echo Park, head over to the coffee shop. It's fantastic. I need to get yep. down there. You don't want to miss it. Post Rona. I will come visit. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll awesome. have the whole thing i live a couple blocks away so i can yes. like, have you guys over and we can like love it do a let's do it thing and 
Yeah, it'll be. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. All right. Signing off. All right. Thanks, Maurice. Thank you. Welcome.